Thank you, Tony. I invite you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. This is Advent season. Uh, We in Advent celebrate the coming of Jesus of Nazareth. And we worship because God has drawn us into a relationship with Him through this Jesus of Nazareth. It's really quite amazing that in the fullness of time, Jesus was born of a woman. He grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He lived a holy and sinless life as a man. But Jesus was crucified by lawless men. And though this was a great evil, in the death of Jesus, God accomplished His eternal purpose and plan. Jesus Jesus died, was buried, but God raised Him from the dead, never to die again. And then God exalted Him to the right hand, uh, His right hand, with authority to reign as King over all. And now as we come to Acts chapter 2, we learn that having received the Spirit from the Father, Jesus then poured out the Spirit upon the church. Verse 33 of chapter 2 tells us that. And this was no ordinary event. The building where the believers were on that day was filled with the sound of rushing wind and what appeared to be tongues of fire that rested upon the people. And they began to prophesy and to speak in various languages. And people from every nation under heaven could hear them speaking in their own language. And when that happened, they were amazed. But some who saw these things thought these guys must have been nuts. (laughs) In fact, they said, these guys are drunk. They're out of their mind. But Peter, filled with the Spirit, stood up in that group of of people and explained. Uh, It's like that all of the time, isn't it? We, We, you and I, really can't make sense of life apart from God speaking into our lives and into the situations that we face. That's what we want to do this morning. We want to explain the significance of of the baptisms that we are about to witness. This is a great day for that. We look forward to this day. But back in the day of Pentecost, Peter stood up and he said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Instead, what's happening fulfills what was prophesied by the prophet Joel, that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all people and that all who call upon the name of the Lord our God will be saved. And and then Peter goes on to powerfully drive home this point about the resurrected Jesus. Peter says in verse 36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. Now, 
That's a glorious truth, and it is a stinging indictment all at the same time. Peter, Peter is speaking to the crowd of people. He's speaking to the very crowd of people who with their voices cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And let's be sure, had we been there that day on his trial, we too would have joined them in their chorus. But the very people who did in fact raise their voices to cry out, crucify him, these people heard Peter declare with the power of the Holy Spirit that God made him, this one that you crucified, God made him both Lord and Christ. The, the one that they wanted dead was the one God declared to be the long-anticipated, the, the promised, anointed king who had been given authority over all in heaven and earth to reign as king. This crowd that hollered out, crucify him, could, could not have been more wrong. And they knew it. Verse 37 says, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And Peter, and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They, they heard this truth about Jesus because the Spirit opened up their ears to hear. And, and they were cut to the heart, rightly so. The, the Holy Spirit brought such great conviction upon their heart that they, had, they, they knew that they had no other way to respond than to repent. There was no way they could not respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction upon their heart. The, the weight of what they had done so wrongly against the Lord and Messiah was so great that they cried out in desperation, Brothers, what shall we do? In verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So they had rejected Jesus Christ. In fact, they crucified Jesus Christ. And they needed to repent of that sin. And in their repentance, in their repentance, they would turn to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith, believing him to be the very person God declared him to be, Lord and Christ. In their baptism, they would declare publicly that they had put their faith in Jesus as their Lord and Messiah, their Savior. Being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ was an acknowledgement that God the Father sent His Son, Jesus, to be the promised anointed King. And here on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church to affirm that truth. The promise given to the one who repents of their rejection of Jesus and who is baptized in his name, thereby declaring their faith in him, Peter says, your sins will be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That, that is something only God can do. The, 
the guilt of our sin before God will be gone, it says. As far as the east is from the west, so far will God remove your sin from you. And certainly, we all sin. Uh, We are not righteous. None of us is righteous. We are all guilty before God, but because Jesus died in our place, bearing our sin, and was raised to life, conquering sin and death, all who repent of their sin and believe on Jesus Christ will be forgiven. (laughs) And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as a guarantee or a deposit that that guarantees your inheritance, the the inheritance of eternal life. God, God promises that through Jesus, we have the promise of living in his presence forever. There, there is no greater promise than that, to be with Jesus forever. If we were able to ask Kevin Esther today, he would affirm that wholeheartedly. So who benefits from this promise? of forgiveness of sin, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of eternal life. Verse 39 says, For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So the promise isn't just for the spiritually elite. It's not just for the people who have their act together because there is no one who has their act together. It's for you. It's for me. It's for your children. It's for all who are far off. It's for Jew and Gentile. This promise is for all types of people. In fact, this promise is for everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Our our sin problem is so bad that no one, absolutely no one, would ever choose to repent. All of us in our sinful state would very willingly continue on in our sin, but God in His mercy and love has graciously chosen some to, to, to call to Himself. And so this morning, if you are convicted by the Holy Spirit because of your sin and if you're here and you've repented and placed your faith in Jesus Christ, demonstrated by your baptism, you you can know that you have done this because God has sovereignly chosen to call you to himself. It's not your parents. Um, It's not something good in you. It's not even your decision ultimately. It's God through Jesus, by the Holy Spirit that calls you and brings you to life and saves you. It's like what happened when Jesus commanded the dead man Lazarus at the entrance of the tomb. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And that dead man responded to that voice and came alive. This is the power and the purpose of God. This is not the power and purpose of man. And and when you understand that, when you understand grace, unmerited favor, 
You, you know that all of this was done for your good and it was done for God's glory. And so in your heart of hearts, you cry out, to God be the glory, great things he has done. This is when true life begins. When God saves you through faith in Jesus Christ, you're forgiven, you're given the Holy Spirit, you have the promise of eternal life, and you also begin a life today that is in the process of being transformed. Verse 40 says, And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. The text says Peter spoke many words. I'm here to tell you this morning that long sermons are a good thing. They are a biblical thing, okay? But more seriously, Peter, Peter bore witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he exhorted them with many words. And when you exhort someone, you see a problem, you warn them, you address that problem with the means of God's word to help them change and grow. Now, the, the final verse, verse 41, summarizes all of what's been happening. Verse 41 says, So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So this verse, verse 41, makes verse 38 clearer. First, you repent and believe, or you receive the word of the gospel, and you are saved. Then you are baptized. Baptism doesn't save you. Jesus saves you by grace through faith in Jesus. Receive the word of the gospel by faith and then be baptized. So if you're baptized, you're immersed in water. That's the meaning of the word baptize. When, when you are immersed in water which you, you have this beautiful picture of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. By faith, you die with Christ, and by faith, you're raised with Christ up out of that water. It's, it's really a beautiful picture, this whole thing that we're going to celebrate this morning with baptism. Paul says in Romans 6, 4, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism and death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So the, the end of verse 41 says about 3,000 souls were added that day. It was a special day. That was no ordinary day. The gospel's powerful. But the question is, added to what? Added, I would argue, to the church of Jesus Christ. People who were baptized make a public declaration that they have repented and placed their faith in Jesus Christ for their salvation. They declare publicly that they now intend to follow Christ as their Lord and Savior and are part of the church of Jesus Christ. This is what it means by officially, what we really mean by officially recognizing someone as a member of Grace Hill Church. So when you become a member of Grace Hill Church, you're, you're recognized as someone that's repented of your sin. You've put your 
faith in Jesus Christ for your salvation. You've been baptized as a believer in the name of Jesus Christ. You want to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want to be devoted to this local body of believers. And this morning, we have the glorious opportunity to witness the baptism of six individuals, Leah Dobbs and Micah Dobbs, James Lindmark, Johnny Lindmark, Elise Meisner, and Nikki Pittman. Um, one, one note about Nikki, she had previously been baptized as a believer. However, her baptism was not by immersion. And she stated to us that in her recent studies at Moody, uh, she's given her a new love for the original languages, and she's become convinced, and we believe rightly so, that the word baptized literally means to be immersed. And so she wants to be immersed today as a believer to demonstrate her desire to fully obey Jesus. And so this in, indeed is a glorious occasion, and we're happy that you can be with us today to celebrate the baptisms of these individuals. Um, I'm going to step out, and I'm going to invite those who are going to be baptized to step out with me. We're going to go prepare for baptism. You're going to sing a song. You're going to listen to some scripture. And then we are going to partake in these baptisms together, okay?